1,556 times last week. <laughs> what was great is they, the El Salvadorians started doing it with them. Even the kids on the island were doing it with them. So it was pretty exciting. So now what you're gonna do after you saw that awesome video, Dana, wow, you did a great job putting that together. Now what you're gonna hear is you're gonna hear three of the students share their testimony. All right, Hannah, you're up. Hola. Buenos dias. Okay, it took, it took a lot for me to decide what I was gonna talk about, but in the video, there was, a, there was a video of, in the church, a bunch of people like jumping around. It was, it was so powerful to me to see all these people worshiping to a song they didn't know in a language they didn't speak, but the spirit was still the same. It was so powerful and so like moving. It was awesome to see. And they didn't care. They didn't care that they were jumping around and they didn't care that it was like 97 degrees in there. <laughs> they just, they were so excited to be in the Lord's presence and so excited to be able to like just show him how much, like show him how much they love him. It was just so beautiful to see. Thank you. <laughs> and what you should really be proud of is our kids didn't mind that it was 97 degrees and 100% humidity. They went after God. So it was a twofold thing. What she's saying is true. It was powerful. So great job, Hannah. All right. And they were singing in English when they were jumping around. That's what she was saying, which was cool. So uh, during the VBS, we uh, tried to teach the kids a, uh, a worship song, and it was going pretty well, but it was kind of hard to teach them how to sing in uh, both Spanish and English, and just how to play it. And then eventually one kid sat down with some sticks in a bucket and started playing a song, and then another kid sat down with some sticks in a bucket, and then about three more sat down until we had about five kids that were all playing like the same song they already knew on the drums. And I was just kind of sitting in the corner trying to play along with my guitar. And then one of the interpreters eventually came over and started kind of directing everybody and playing the cymbals. And we kind of had our little old, little old like, uh, drum troupe going on for about five minutes. And it was really cool being able to not only not be able to speak the same language as them or really communicate, but we were still able to connect playing the same song. And it was really cool how music kind of transcends language and we're still able to communicate through that without being able to necessarily speak to them. And that was, uh, was really cool. This snapshot doesn't even begin to tell the story of how cool it was, how they all came together. It was so cool how our, our kids jumped right in. They didn't know the same language, but they just jumped in and they got the kids engaged and they got them participating all the time. They stayed engaged, so I was really proud of them for that. All right, Samuel. Buenos dias, Dios te bendiga. Good morning and God bless you. Uh, so on the trip, that kid, that's me, obviously. And uh, the kid in the red shirt, his name is Marvin, and he played drums at Pastor Reese's church. And while we were there, he had a graduation at his school, and they invited us to come watch. And his father was on the school board at the school, so he was up there, and when he went through, he gave his father a huge hug for like, like a whole minute. Like, it was awesome. And so we're all cheering for him like crazy, and then um, afterwards, his father came up, and him, neither him or his father spoke any English, 
but his father came up and had an interpreter and he was telling us how thankful he was that we were so supportive of his son. And then I walked up and I gave him a pair of drumsticks. I gave him a brand new pair of drumsticks and he like, he was so shocked and he was like so happy. And he like, at first he was like, oh thank you. And then he like, I could see it in his face. He was like, this is awesome. And he grabbed me and pulled me in so tight. And he doesn't speak any English, but in my ear he said, thank you. It was so cool. And I, like, that was, what day was that? That was Tuesday. They all morphed together. That was Tuesday, and we still had until Friday for the trip. And right then I knew, like, that was the highlight of my trip. It was the coolest thing. And there's us in front of a volcano. Thank you. Are you seeing? Are you seeing so far why it's so important to see what you invested in? It's pretty powerful. But right now I have four more of our students coming up here. And they're going to share their, their testimonies with you. But what he was saying about Rafa can't go under-emphasized. Um, he really does all the legwork on the El Salvador side for us getting uh, transportation, making sure that we have a bus to ride in, making sure that we have the things we need. So continue to pray for him. If you haven't friended him on Facebook, do it. Like he and Adam are best friends and they've never met. I've heard, I heard all the time like, oh, you're Anthony. Oh, you're Adam's brother. Why didn't you bring Adam, right? The same thing I get when I go without Chad. Why didn't you bring Chad? Well, you get me. <laughs> so, all right, Catherine. Okay, sorry about my voice. Can't really talk right now. So, there was a little girl on the island and her name is um, Marai. And uh, on Wednesday, we had a unified service and we were praying for the children. So I got her and I got a few other girls that I had taught dance to last year. And I gathered them around and I told them that I love them so much and that God has a plan for them and that I am so happy that I'm there and I am so happy that I got to be with them and I will miss them so much. And I asked them if I could pray for them and they were like, yes, 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 please, please, please. And I was like, and I just prayed for them and I prayed that God's plan, like God's plan over them and I prayed power over them and some of them just started like, bawling and I was it was just touched my heart so much that to see that they were crying and because I'd never seen any of them cry before they're all just always happy and I've never seen any of them cry and they just start most of them just started crying right there and right in that moment and Marai she's always been with us through this whole process and she's always there and I just love her so she's so precious she's so precious and she um is she, I took her and I was holding her on my lap and she was just bawling into my shoulder and telling me how much she loves me and how much she's gonna miss me. And it just touched my heart so much that they, that we have such an impact on them and that they love us all and that they will always, they will always love us. And it just touched my heart, so. picture of Catherine and Mare when she's a baby, like a little baby holding her. I should have I got that to Dana because it's really powerful that she's actually known her since she was an infant. 
So that's pretty cool. And she's right, the relationships that they form don't, don't stop when they leave, right? They still have that connection, and that's cool. So you're going to hear um, first Grace and then Natalie talk about another connection that happened and how God used both of them with one person, all right? So the first day I was on the island, I saw this one of the youth that was there. And I was just instantly drawn to her, and I felt like I just needed to talk to her, but I had no idea what I was going to say to her yet, because like, the only thing I felt was that I needed to talk to her. So I went back to the hotel that night, and I just prayed about it for clarity on what to say to her and just like what, what she needed from me. And the next day I went, and I still didn't really know what I was going to say to her, but it was just so strong that I just needed to go and talk to her that I couldn't ignore it. So um, I got an interpreter and then I just went and I talked to her and I just felt like she was just so stressed out and overwhelmed and just had a lot going on in her life and she agreed with everything I said and she, um, she, sta- she shared her story with me and I got to share mine with her as well. And that, just my story touched her because we related on a lot of things. Um, like in her life, so then I had the opportunity to, to just pray peace over her life and just to um, just pray for happiness and joy in her life, and that was just really cool that I could make that connection and share my story with her, and it actually helped her um, with her with her life and her situation. So. All right, Natalie, come up and share your son. All right, so like Pastor Ricky said, um, my story is kind of linked to Grace's. So on Sunday, we had a church service, and I was going to speak on the power and importance of encouragement. And I was really nervous. Like, I don't usually get nervous about those kind of things, but I was very nervous. And it went so well. I So like after that, I was like really excited because I was like, oh my goodness, I got to share something that was on my heart, and I'm really excited. <laughs> So at the end of the service, we had time. We had a time of prayer, and our team was in charge of praying over all the people. So I just came up to one of the ladies and just started praying over her. I just walked around praying for other people as well, one by one. Then there was this girl who looked about my age or a little bit older, and she just caught my heart as I was asking God who I should pray or give a word to. I knew she was the one. God gave me a word for her, and I was sure I had to do something about it. I walked over to her, and Grace was praying for her, so I just joined in quietly. I was listening to her prayer, and I realized that she was praying and speaking the same thing over her that my word was about. This shocked me. I was so excited. I had never actually seen God move in me like that before. It's awesome. Later on. And I'm still on. Me and Grace both really got to bond with Osadio, that's her name, and get to know her better. And on Wednesday, we had a unified service, and she shared a short sermon because at VBS, Tony taught her how to write and share one. 
At the beginning of the week, you could clearly tell that she was just a little nervous to dance to a song at VBS with a bunch of little kids. And three days later, she's giving a short sermon in front of the whole church. I was like, oh my goodness, the Lord used me and Grace to pray and speak over Rosario's life so she could instantly make a connection with her, or so that we could make it instantly, wait, yeah. You get the point. Um, which would make it easier for us to encourage her to step out so the Lord could work through Tony to teach her how to preach a sermon. And so on Wednesday, she could preach a short sermon to the whole entire church. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Like, seriously, the Lord used a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old to speak over a girl about peace and joy so she could have the courage to step out and preach a short sermon. Like, I was, like, completely blown away. It was just so cool to see the Lord work through me. Like, it was just amazing. I was totally blown away. Yep. One thing I think you need to know is Natalie stepped out and short, shared her first short sermon on Sunday night in front of the entire church as well, which I believe absolutely opened the atmosphere for then Rosa, Rosario to share her first short sermon to the entire community, not just the church, the community. So yeah, give them a round of a hand. A round of a hand. All right, Isabella. Uh, so the first day on the island, I met a girl named Tamara, and um, she was Pastor Reese Dace's granddaughter. Um, so the first thing he said to us is he was like, I want you two to become great friends over this week. And I knew, like, the moment I saw her, I was like, she has something so special in her heart. Um, so I just saw her every day up until, like, Monday, and I just, like, I knew she wasn't the happiest of people, but I knew, like, she had such a pure heart, and God wanted so much for her. Um, before the trip... I got a necklace from my aunt that said courage on it, and she was encouraging me to give it to um, somebody on the island. Um, so I knew I needed, I knew she needed courage in some way, shape, or form. So then uh, I just kept praying about it, and I was like, God, who should I give this to? And she was like the first person that came to mind. And Monday night, I knew I had to give it to her. So Tuesday, after the graduation, and the same day Sam gave Marvin this drumsticks, I found tomorrow. And, um, I just like came up to her and I was like, hey, I wanted to give you this necklace and I just explained to her that I felt like she was supposed to have more courage and that labels that people put on her um, shouldn't be how she sees herself and that she should have courage so that God can take her farther in life. Um, later I found out from Pastor Vicky that her parents had left her when she was young and that Pastor Risa Desa took her in. So I just felt like she needed, she needed to know that having the label of a fatherless or motherless child was completely wrong, but that she needs to know she is loved with an amazing father in heaven that wants her to have courage and not labels that limit her potential in life. So I just can't wait to see her again. And I'm counting down the days to go back to the island to just see what God has done in her life. Ladies, great job. Listen, each one of these have told you a different story of how God used them and I, I want to point out right now, all of them were extremely scared. All of them were afraid before we left. All of them came to me and said, I'm really nervous. I don't know if I can do what you asked me to do. And they blew me away. Just like Natalie said, I was standing there watching them at times going, wow, 
So when God tells you to do something, trust me when I say, he's going to blow your mind with what's possible when he does that. One of the things I teach when I take a team to El Salvador is you have to be flexible, that we're going to make plans and then they're all going to get changed at the last minute. And when you're nervous about a trip, that can be really frustrating and upsetting because you don't know what's going to happen next. Our kids were fantastic at that. If I said, okay, the entire service has changed and this is what we're going to do differently, they just rallied behind that completely. So right now, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to change it up a little bit and we're going to have Dana come up here real fast before you, no, you stay here. So you're going to get to experience what it's like in El Salvador with us. And Anthony's, or Dana's going to share a word with you. If you haven't figured out already, there were a lot of testimonies from this trip. So I'm just going to try to just do a little tiny brief overview of the biggest thing that impacted me um, was, I'd just say, like the unity in the spirit. Um, because the Holy Spirit, he transcends language. He transcends the country and the culture. And you hear it through all the kids, you know, whether it's through music, through the drums, or through the way they're playing a game with somebody, or a craft. Um, there were just so many ways that we connected with the people, and it was amazing. And one of the instances that I experienced was um, with these two little girls that wanted to go on those inflatables we saw in the video. And um, one of them was trying to speak to me in Spanish and ask me to go on the inflatables, but I don't know Spanish. So I was like, oh, I don't know what she's saying. There was no interpreter around. But the other girl I had been spending more time with that day, she knew I didn't speak English. So she looks at her and she's like, and she says probably, this girl don't know English. You gotta, you gotta, we, we gotta figure out another way to talk to her. So she goes. So, so, so and I'm like, oh, you wanna go on the slide? Yeah, let's go on the slide. So that was just like a really sweet, cute moment. Um, but what, what it's taught me on the trip is that the unity in the body of Christ is not just for here, it's not just for the central family, but it's for across the earth and it's across the nations. And you could just, you could feel it so strong. Um, I was able to connect with, um, like I said, the kids, um, the other media person on the trip. It was super cool to be able to serve God in a way with somebody who speaks a different language, but has the same kind of mission and goal in the field. Um, and to be able to learn technical things was also super cool. Um, but just, it just gave me a confidence that God is raising up his church, and it's not just here, but it's through, um, it's, it's throughout the nations, and there are just so many, so many examples of that, so um, just praise the Lord for that, and that's just my awesome, just takeaway, is just the Lord is moving, and he's working, and um, we just had an awesome, awesome trip, so. Unity was definitely a theme, whether it was with the interpreters and our team where we just merged together or even we had two missionaries that go to, that are um, both part of Elite and King's Castle that joined us on this trip. Neither one of them we asked for. Their heart is just so connected to our heart on the community. They volunteered to come. One of them served as an interpreter. The other one is just fantastic with kids and actually left early to go do his own kids camp where he was in charge of it and led it. And we got the opportunity to see some of the videos of him just having the kids. The kids were like laid out, worshiping Jesus, crying before the Lord. Those are the hearts that are connecting with ours as we pursue what God has for us on the island. And now I want to 
I get the privilege, honestly. It's a privilege to ask Pastor Anthony to come up here and share. Um, I, I don't, we've not really connected a whole lot before this trip. Um, Adam and I give each other a hard time all the time. But Anthony and I really haven't talked. I've talked to Jill more so. But I really got to see Pastor Anthony's heart this week. And it is beautiful. I saw that he has a pastoral heart for people, for these kids, for the kids he's been pouring into for the last year. And um, he stepped out in new ways this week. And he, anything I asked him to do, he was the first one to step up. Um, and I just want you guys right now, as he comes up, I want you to honor him for who he is and what he has done, even with pushing for this trip to happen. He could have slid on by and not we could have not gone, but he was the catalyst for this trip to happen. So would you please honor him with me? You guys can't take my time up with that stuff. They said four minutes. I said, are we just crying the Holy Ghost right now for three minutes and 59 seconds? Let's go. Oh, my goodness. What a trip. You guys, listen. First of all, if you prayed for us, if you supported us in any way, we felt it. We sensed it. Your prayers were answered. We watch them happen live. You cannot understand the power of prayer. You cannot understand the power of investing in us to do what God put on our hearts. You can't. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I got three minutes and 30 seconds. All right, so much awesome stuff happened that I decided I can't choose what you hear about. You have the power to choose, okay? So I'm going to read you four titles of testimonies for this week that happened for me. And you're going to get to vote. Don't vote early. You might want to vote for one later. So I'm going to read all four titles, and then you're going to decide. I'll go back through the titles. You raise your hand if you want that testimony, and that's the one I'm going to give. Okay? Everybody cool? Okay, the first one is praying for healing. Did Anthony get discouraged? First one. Second one is Anthony and Arisa Dace and the pupusas they love. Number three is Sandy Hands in other moments from the beach of El Salvador, the Iceland Tassarahara. I'll tell you more about that if you choose it. The last one is uh, throat punching the spirit of suicide. Okay, so we're going to go through. I'll give you the titles again. You raise your hand and vote. The first one is praying for healing. Did Anthony get down? If you want to hear that one, raise your hand. It's pretty good. Thank you. I got a vote. Thank you. I got another vote. All right, next one is Arisa Dace and Anthony and the pupusas they love. I got another vote. I see your hand. Thank you. The third one is Sandy Hands and other awesome moments from the beach of El Salvador. Iceland, Tassalahara. All right, great. I see the hands. And the last one is throat punching the spirit of suicide. Oh, okay. I'll say this. If you guys want to hear those other stories and some more stories from our kids, Wednesday night, I am op my wife and I are opening the doors of the rock to you. If you want to come and experience what we did, we're going to try to get a hammock set up. We'll tell you about that. <laughs> Maybe some stray dogs running around. 
We're going to talk, we're going to talk about what happened. We're going to tell stories. We're going to connect. We're going to let you see what happened and hear what happened. We're going to pray for you. If you, if you wrote down some things while we were gone, I appreciate it. We'll talk about that Wednesday night. If you prayed, if you invested, if you have a t-shirt and a hat, wear your hat either frontwards, down low, or backwards, fine. Come down and see us at the Rock Wednesday night, okay? All right. I asked Jill if I should do that. She said, what's the worst thing going to happen? They fire us? I said, well, I said, you're right. So, uh, all right. Testimony, I got one minute. We are climbing up a volcano. It is intense. Okay, like intense, right? Like, whoo! All right, I got it. Let's go. Anybody got water? Okay, so we get all the way to the top, and we're looking at this 1,000-foot crevice full of sulfur, smell sulfur, and you can see, I, I guarantee you can see hundreds, if not thousands of miles in every direction, okay? And we're at the peak of this volcano, and we look down, and we realize this is a 1,000-foot drop off a cliff. And I'm standing there just kind of admiring, thinking about the lure, praising God. And Kirk comes over, and he's like, He's like, yeah, I just, I, I asked, I don't know who you asked, Rafa? Security guy, if anyone, uh, you know, had the unfortunate circumstance of taking their life in that location. And uh, they told him a story of a, a young gentleman. And Pastor Kurt, you know, if you ever get a chance to go on a missions trip with one of your closest friends, do it, because it's amazing. And then if he happens to be your lead pastor, you just cry every day because you'll be like this. And my great friend, Kurt, comes up and says, will you pray with me that the spirit of suicide will be broken? I said, yes. So we hold hands, right? Two grown men holding hands on the edge of a volcano. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Right? And we pray it, man. We, I mean, we're, this is Thursday, so we've been building each other up all week, man. We're spitting fire. So that goes on. We say amen. We come down the volcano. We shop. We hang out. We do all this. We're headed to the airport on Friday. And he gets a text from Chavez or Chavez or Travis or Chavez. There's so many versions of a name because you try to hear it, and then you're like trying to repeat it. It's never the same. Chavis. <clears throat> he gets a message on his phone on the way back that says something to the effect of, I felt heavy that there were some kids dealing with suicide in the crowd. He was at the camp that he left us to go work. 500 kids from the, from the worst of the worst neighborhoods in the country. Broken and abused. I got you. I'm coming to that. <laughs> All right, broken and abused kids, 500 of them, and he feels the need to ask, right? And kids come forward and get prayed for and delivered. And I said, wait a minute. He, he went to San Salvador. I said, Rafa, where was this camp located? And he said, in the shadows of the volcano, right at the bottom. I said, Kurt! Kurt said, make sure he understood what you were saying. He said, Rafa, 
where, where was this camp? And he's like, right at the bottom of the volcano where you guys prayed that the spirit of suicide would be broken off. The same day, right? Thursday afternoon we pray this. Thursday at that camp, Chavez sees breakthrough, right? And our hearts melt. And we're like, I don't know why we get to do this. I don't know what we did for God to line this life up like he has. But all of a sudden, thousands of miles from home, two buddies (laughs) get to share in the breakthrough for some kids. And I'll give one side note. I didn't ask. I hope I don't get myself in trouble. But as we walked away from that volcano, uh, one of the peoples in our group of 25 mentioned that a year ago, they might have thought that that was an okay idea, but that they were so repulsed by it in that moment and that they were so excited to live. And I was just, glory to God. There are so many more moments like that that we can't possibly go into right now of just where God put us in the right place at the right time, had their prayers at the exact time when they needed to happen, uh, provincial care. God really showed up this time. And then even the unity of the heart. Chavez was only with us for three days. He'd only known Anthony for three days. And yet there was that kind of connection that can only happen by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that happens. All right. I have three more students for you. Tony, you're up. Hola. Gloria a Dios. Gloria a Dios. Glory to God. Um, So I'm going to start with Saturday. So Saturday was our first day on the island. And we got to do these cool things um, called sessions. One session was teaching the kids how to drum, how to play ukulele, um, all this cool stuff. And I was in charge of how to preach a sermon. And on Saturday, there's only um, only one person attended. And I was completely fine with that. It was actually the girl that Grace and Natalie were speaking about, and she was so excited. But then on, I believe, the second session was on Monday, and um, on the second session, I had five more people come in, including the girl. And one of them was a mom um, with a two-month-old baby. And I was like, wow, this is so, wait, a mom? I was like, this is like for VBS kids. I was like, sure, come in. Like, this is awesome. And um, I think everyone else, like, I was like teaching, um, like everyone was like, like, um, like listening and stuff like that. But she was taking notes. Like she was writing it all down. And then she looked like she was like, like, yes. It was so cool to see that. And um, the rest of the time, um, three other people wrote a sermon and I had to help them how to write a sermon, which was the coolest thing. But then on Tuesday, um, we were at a dirt soccer field, and I look over. There's a mom. That's there's the mom. Her name is Sheila. The mom was there with paper. She's waving the paper up, and I come over, and she's like, and she's like, hi, I have, I have paper. I'm like, okay. So I bring an interpreter with me, and she wrote a two-page sermon about the coming of Jesus. I was like, Revelation. Okay, like that's a hard, that's a not a hard one, but that's a whoa. That one's like wow, and. 
And she's, she wrote about this because she had dreams. She's had multiple dreams about Jesus coming back. And, she's, and she, told me, she, told, she told me what's on her heart. She's had words for people at her church. She's had dreams. And she told me that she fell, she fell away the Lord when she was pregnant. But then when she had the baby, she was like, I need to get back to Christ. And she like told me all these things. And I prayed for her. And in that moment, I was like, man, like there's a, there's a saying that being broke makes you rich. And I was like, this is so true. Like even though they don't have that much, they're so rich in the spirit. Like it's, it's like it helped my, it encouraged my faith. Like, man, like I complain all that stuff, but like she's having, she's having dreams from God, even though they don't have, they don't have a lot. It just encouraged me that God is moving on that island through the adults and also through the children. It was just so cool to pray over her and pray for courage to pray for more opportunities um, to share and to have more visions and to share um, God's word with other people. But that's my testimony. <laughs> Did you guys hear it correctly? Your young people were teaching their young people how to do ministry? So what you guys have poured into each one of these young people, they poured in to the young people on the island? That's called multiplication. That's what that's called. And God is so good at that, right? When they're given the opportunity. All right, Levi. So uh, Sam was talking about the graduation that, uh, for Marvin on Tuesday. But before that, we had a really cool encounter with a man named Carlos. So we were just talking, and Anthony called over a few boys to come pray for this guy. Uh, he had uh, knee swelling. Uh, he got terrible headaches at times. And he uh, also had much, uh, issues with money. And... It, we first just prayed for his knee, and he said before we prayed on a scale of one to 10, it was an eight pain. And after that, after we prayed, he said it went down to a level one. And then Anthony prayed for his headaches, and he didn't have one at the moment, but Anthony, it, what really stood out to me, he was like, when he would have one, there would be absolutely no headache at that time, so that was just really cool to see, like, he wouldn't have one when he usually would. And then I asked if he wanted more prayer for his knee, and even Jesus uh, prayed for people twice in the Bible, and in Mark, 80, in Mark 8, 22 through 30, Jesus prayed for a blind man. At first, the man thought the people were walking trees, and he prayed for him again, and he was completely healed. So sometimes it's just good to pray again, even though uh, it might just be something small. Uh, if, you, if you don't want somebody to have no pain, then you just pray again. And then Isaac did pray again for this man's knee, and he went from a one down to a zero. So when we prayed for this man's money issue, that God would give him all the provisions he needed and that the problem would just uh, come off of him, Carlos was basically making another ocean with his tears. And uh, it was just a really cool moment with, uh, I could feel God's presence there. 
And um, the graduation was supposed to be the day that we were flying to come to El Salvador, where they were getting like the electrical wires changed. And uh, we would have missed it and might have never had the chance to pray for Carlos. And Pastor Vicky, my dad, and Rafa went to Marvin's service at the church. And if that didn't run over, we might have never had the chance to pray for Carlos. And finally, in Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that in all things, God's works for, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That was just an example of how God, we had plans and God shifted them. And he's correct. On Friday, we were supposed to be flying in. They were going to have graduation. We were going to miss it. And um, they shut the electricity off completely on the island. So they had to move it to Tuesday. And so what we thought was an interruption was actually a divine appointment. And they took very, very, um, took advantage of it in a great way. All right. Isaac, you're up. Good morning. Uh, there is one specific part that really meant a lot to me, but out of all the ones, I had to pick this one. So it was at the Unified Service at the very end of the trip. It was the last event we were going to do. And uh, at the end of the service, my dad had all the pastors and people that were in ministry at the churches on the island to come up to be prayed for. And um, so then our youth team, we came up and we went to pray for them and Miss Vicky told us even if we don't have a interpreter just still pray because God can still touch them through the spirit and that's what God uh, showed me through that uh, event so I went and just started to pray for a few other gentlemen and I don't know if some of them can understand me or not but I just continued to pray and then I came to this one elderly gentleman who just looked like he was already soaking in the presence already being touched before even being prayed for so I just started to pray for him and he just started to say, like, gracias, Señor, gracias, Jesus, gracias, like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, God. Um, as I was praying, I'm like, maybe he understands me, maybe he doesn't, you know. And then uh, as I was continuing to pray, he just started to cry. And then I was like, whoa, the Holy Spirit is really touching him right now. And he started to cry harder and harder to the point where he was, like, bending over like this. And I was like... And I just stopped praying and I asked the Holy Spirit, fill him more because I'm like, even if he doesn't understand what I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit does and his spirit agrees with what I'm praying. So if you guys are out somewhere, even on a mission trip, don't feel like you have to back away if you don't have an interpreter because God can still use your spirit to connect with another person's spirit to fill them and transform their lives. Because if I didn't pray for that man, I don't know if he would be touched, right? If somebody else did, that's awesome. But if God... It, didn't use me with an interpreter, even his spirit wouldn't be touched, right? But if with an interpreter, what if it was different? What if he didn't feel the spirit as much, right? So I, I just like, you know what, I'm just going to take a step of faith, actually a leap of faith, and just believe that God's going to touch him even without an interpreter. So if he didn't understand me, his, his spirit did, right? God touched him through his spirit. So he, so he, right, he gave that guy an agreement with what I was praying for. He gave that guy more boldness probably. And now as I was uh, praying, I don't know if his spirit was agreeing with this or just he's just getting touched by God. I was just praying that, that when he would speak in front of his congregation for his, his church, that they would be touched and there'd be healings and salvations as he's speaking. So I was just feeling like that's really awesome for God to show me that right there. It does not matter if there's a language barrier. 
God still uses you to touch other people's spirits and transform their lives. So tomorrow or even today, if you feel like you have to pray for someone at your work and they aren't even a Christian, they don't understand anything about church or about God, don't feel bad to pray for them. Because their spirit, is, if they're doing a bunch of bad stuff in sinful ways, their spirit will know what is right and what's wrong, and they'll turn to the right way, to God, right? So God's going to use you for the rest of your life if you believe this and if your spirit agrees with this, right? Thank you. Such a true story. I think what, what a great way to word it and put it in perspective. I'm going to start having him come in and teach my teams. <laughs> I want to take one minute and just say thank you to all of you and to all of the parents who entrusted me to take this group to the island. Without each one of you putting your faith in me to take this team, it wouldn't have been the same team. So I want to just say thank you really quickly to each one of the parents and grandparents who allowed their grandchildren and their children to go to a third world country with me and do God's work. They literally poured everything they had out on that island. And when they did that, they planted seeds, right? They, they gave a big gift to the island, but we all know that a seed that's not nurtured and watered will die and will be ineffective. So right now, what I would like you to do, first of all, I wanna just ask you, I know it's getting close to 11.30, but don't go anywhere. Every minute of this service is gonna be worth your time, I promise. So I'm asking you, please stick with me. Be flexible with me today, okay? Just like these young people were flexible with me all week, be flexible with me today. And just hang in there, because I promise you won't regret it. Right now, what I would like uh, um, you to do is stand up with me, and we're gonna intercede for the island for the seeds that were planted, for the things that were done, that God's will will be continued even though we're not there. And Isaac is going to lead this for me. So as I'm praying, I want you guys to pray too. And don't feel like right now we can only just pray right today and then stop praying for the island. When you continue to pray like you did when we were on the trip, we saw God move. So if you continue to pray day after day or once a week even, we will continue to see God move even without our team down there on the island, right? So when we're praying and the people on the island are praying, like Pastor Reese today, so we're going to see people move strongly in the spirit on that island. So let's pray for multiple things right now. All right, dear Lord, we come to you today. We thank you right now, God, for the seeds we planted in the youth and on the adults and the little children's lives, God. I ask right now, their seeds will sprout right now, God. They will not wither and die, Lord, that they will grow up mightily to be a plant for you, God. That their plant will grow taller than any other, God. That right now they will be used mightily ways, God. Mightily ways, God. That there will be miracles and salvations that come out of their lives. God, I ask right now for the youth that we specifically touched at, Lord, that they will know that they have giftings in an important purpose in this world, God, that you created them for a purpose, not just to sit back and disobey and do their sinful ways day after day, Lord. I ask right now that they will be bold and courageous and you take them up and build them up, Lord, for your glory, that your glory will be seen on that island through the youth and through the children, God. I ask right now uh, what we spoke on, Lord, what my dad spoke on, the unified service, that the mantle that the elderly and the adults put onto the youth will be today and forever, Lord, that it will never stop. It will be so powerful, God, that that island will be changed because of you, God, that your spirit will move on that island, God, 
that as we pray each and every day, that those people will rise up as evangelists, as missionaries, as pastors, Lord, that they will go to the deepest and darkest places on this world, God. They not just stay on that island and think, what can I do? But God, that you will use them day after day, empower them, Lord, that we will see the youth start speaking in services like we did at the Unified Service, God. That we see children writing their own sermons at night or during the day, God. They will take just help from you, but also advice from adults, Lord. But that would be awesome to see kids writing their own sermons with just the guidance of your spirit, Lord. I ask right now for the tilapia tanks, Lord, that there will be an abundance of fish in those tanks, Lord. That we have to build a fourth tank, Lord. Now we have to grow and expand the land where we have those tanks, God. I ask right now that this fish will grow bigger than ever before. That Pastor Risa days in this church will be known for those fish because those fish, Lord, when people eat them, I ask right now that it would be healing in their body as soon as it touches their tongue, Lord. That when they taste it, that it would taste it's good and they would know the goodness of our Father. We thank you right now, God, there will be salvations through Pastor Risa days church and all the churches on that island. God, I ask right now that your power will move on that island, God. Your spirit will be so thick that they, people have to actually run from their houses where there's so much sin and run to the churches. Lord, that they anoint their houses with oil, God. And that they will pray before bed each night. That your power will be and your angels of protection will be over those houses, God. I ask right now that the youth in the, every generation will be in the churches, God, worshiping you. That they will not be afraid to worship and dance and jump around and twirl for you, God, just like David did. I ask right now that there will be good mentors on that island, Lord, for those kids. I ask right now... You just bless all the people on the island and bless our missions uh, groups that are going in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, you can go ahead and be seated. I won't be long, I promise. I, wanna, I, I really feel uh, strong in my heart that I'm supposed to give you a very similar charge that we gave the island on Wednesday night, because uh, it applies across, across generations, across cultures. In James 2.17, it says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And it says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. I believe faith looks like something. Faith was never meant to be uh, just a, a general theology and this is a good book and I'm gonna use it as a guide in my life. Faith absolutely, positively looks like something. It's called faith in action. If it's not, if there's not action that's backing up what we believe, then it's just a theological brochure. It's something that you say you believe, but if you actually really believe it, we'll put action to it. So that's what this represents. This past week was all about faith in action, right? We're called to live by faith and not by sight. So these students saw something happening in their life and in the lives of the people on the island enough that they took the action. They did the fundraisers. They wrote the letters to their family members and they actually went. And then when they were there, they could have stood back, but they actually took action. They went up and they prayed with people. They did their short sermons. They did the dances and the stomp competitions. They put action to their faith. One of the things I felt like the Lord placed on my heart, again, for the island, but also uh, for today, and I'm gonna speak at chapel uh, this Friday, is really the transference from older generations to younger generations. The necessity that we pour in, regardless if you have children or not, 
the necessity for us to have something to pour into the next generation so that we actually raise up a generation of people that take our ceiling and use it as their floor. To take the, th the things that, that these children and my children are experiencing already at this age, already, and not just on the mission trip, here, giving words of knowledge to people, praying over people, ministering to people. If we could have got that at that age, so now think about it. They're going to begin to pour into kids that are even younger than them. And we have not just a privilege, but a responsibility to the next generation to pass the things, the giftings, the anointings, the passions, the skills, the talents that God's given us on to them. The greatest example I see of this is in Elijah and in Elisha. Those two names can confuse us. Elijah's the older one. Say Elijah. Elisha is the younger one. Say Elisha. So Elijah is one of the most aggressive, uh, famous prophets of the Old Testament, right? Raising a child from the dead, going head to head with the prophets of Baal and just annihilating them because of the power of God was on him. But Elijah was told by God that there will be a day where his walk is over with the Lord and that he must pass that mantle on to someone else. And that person was Elisha. I'm going to read you just a few verses, and I'm going to show you an example of how this can happen in our church. 1 Kings 19, verse 19, it says, Elijah went, this is after God said, you're calling Elisha to be the next prophet. It says, Elisha went from there, which was Mount Sinai, and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went to him and threw his cloak around him, Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. Think about what I have done. What have I done to you, he said. Because really, it wasn't, Eli it wasn't Elijah doing it. It was God calling Elijah to pour into him. So Elisha left and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate of it. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So I'm going to ask my little Elisha to come up here. <clears throat> you can go over there and start plowing the fields. So the most aggressive prophet known to man uh, at, at this point was called by God to take his cloak and call the next generation. So what he did, this cloak was basically the most important piece of clothing that a prophet could have or even a person could have. It wasn't just for protection. They used it for, uh, for sleeping. They used it as a, a, a carrying. But the, the cloak of a prophet stood for the anointing of the prophet and the calling of the prophet. So as Elisha is doing his work, Elijah walks up to him and throws this cloak on him. You can stand here for now. Actually, you can stand right over there. So you're not right behind there. He throws this cloak on him and then begins to walk away. And what he's saying here is God has called a younger generation to take over the mantle, the anointing, the gifting of the current generation. So there's not a gap in time. There's not a, Elijah gets caught up in the whirlwind and then 20 years later, Elisha takes over. It's not supposed to do that. In fact, Elisha received a double portion of an anointing that Elijah had. Does this make sense? So Elijah, I forget, I have it written down somewhere. I don't know if it's 14 miracles that was recorded by Elijah. There was 28 recorded by Elisha. 
So what happens is, is this. Elisha was caught by God doing the very thing he knew to do. Right? He's plowing the oxen. He's being a good farmer. And he's developing the giftings and the talents and the skills that God needed at that moment for God to call him. And this is what we need to do as a church. Is find the things the kids are already into. Find the things they're already good at. And begin to fan the flame. Ask God to meet them in their sport. Ask God to meet with them as they practice their instrument. Ask God to meet with them when they're writing their science report or writing their speech for English class. Does this make sense? God found Elisha doing what he was already good at doing. So we need to know our kids and our youth and our super church kids. We need to get to know our, our nursery kids and our preschool kids. Find out what fans their flame. Find out what they're already good at and begin to ask God to visit them and call them in that moment. Are you with me? So what happens is Elijah starts to walk away and Elisha runs after him. So you can run after me. So what Elisha says is this. He says, I want to go back. I want to kiss my parents goodbye. And then I want to come to you. So he says, what was right, he said, go back. So he's not saying you have little faith. He's, what Elisha is saying is this. I'm ready. You've already placed this. This isn't going to happen for years. Elijah wasn't close to, to dying. I think it was six or seven years that he followed him for. But Elisha responded with confidence. And that's what I want our youth to do. When they are called, not when they're older, right now as God's calling them into ministry, missions, evangelism, whatever it is, I want them to be able to, to have with confidence, yeah, I'm ready. Anytime the Lord wants me to go, I'm ready to go back, to kiss my mom and my dad goodbye, and be sent off. That's the generation of youth we want to raise up. That they have so much confidence that we say, I see this in you. Here goes my cloak, I put it on you. Somebody else says, I see this in you. I'm putting my cloak on you. I see that. Well, I've never had kids. I've never been married. You have a cloak. You have an anointing, you have giftings, you have things to pour into them. So as we lay all these things on them, they will be so confident to come to their parents and not say, well, I, I think I'm being called to Africa. No, they'll better say, dad, mom, God is calling me to this place. And it's not just full-time ministry as we look at ministry. We want our kids to be confident that they're called into the medical field, the education field, the business realm, wherever it is. We want them to have the confidence that God is calling them to advance the kingdom of God everywhere they go. Because their missions trip is over, but their mission isn't over. Are you with me? It's everywhere we go. So Elisha goes back to his people. Go ahead. And he does something that is amazing. You get to slaughter some oxen now, Sam. So go ahead and there you go. <coughs> So he gets to pick up the wood, go ahead and pick up some of the wood, put it in a fire, make a fire with it, put the oxen over top of the fire. You know what Elisha does? He completely eliminates plan B from his life. He doesn't say, hey dad, hey mom, hold these oxen in case being a prophet doesn't work out for me. You know, if the pay's not good and the retirement package isn't excellent, I'm coming back. What he does is he, he takes his livelihood he takes the wood that was, that was around, that was yoked, and he creates the fire and then puts the animal that he used to have all of his livelihood for, kills it, sacrifices it as a holy offering to the Lord. So six, seven years before he ever goes into being a prophet of the Lord, he's already made that offering to the Lord. I would love it 
if right now every child in that nursery, by the time they were three, four, five years old, would have plan A and no plan B, that our youth would know, I'm headed in this direction or this direction, and I'm not getting sidetracked. Do you know what that will do? That'll eliminate sin. That'll eliminate laziness. That'll eliminate times in front of the the TV screen watching filth because they're going to be focused on what God's called them to do. To get them to do that, we have to be that way. Do you know that? We have to be adults with no plan B, right? So if you're in the business realm, the medical field, education field, wherever, you have to be doing that with such precision and such passion and taking advantage of every opportunity that God has given you. There's no plan B. And what they're gonna see is they're gonna watch how you're living and they're gonna be willing to set all the other nonsense aside. Say, I'm getting rid of all my other options and I'm following what Jesus has called me to do. You know what happens is this. Elijah Elijah listened to the call of God, so he obeyed God, right? And because Elijah listened to the call of God and he sacrificed that animal, what happened there is there was a feast, which means his family benefited from him actually leaving the family to to do the work of God. They were able to eat the offering that was to the Lord. So I'm telling you, as an adult, if we obey God and pour into these youngsters, as they begin to obey God, they are gonna touch people's lives that we'll never touch. They'll be able to impact people and there will be a feast, a spiritual feast of people coming to know Jesus and being healed and set free that they would never listen to us as an adult. We're not in their classrooms. We're not in their school hallways. We're not gonna be with them in college. But what we do while we have them in our homes, in our church family, can absolutely make a difference. So what happens is he does that, his family benefits from it, and then Elisha walks hand in hand with Elijah the rest of Elijah's life. Listen, folks, we need to be in a place that if these children and these youth of Central Assembly of God are watching our lives, they're actually going to want what we're wearing. And they're not going to say, you know what? I know you placed this thing on me about six, seven years ago, but I don't know if I like what I see, right? We want to be living in such a way that they want to be tethered hand in hand and they want to follow us and learn from us. And we're not waiting though. In the Bible, what happened is this. Elijah put this on Elisha. Then when they reconnected, Elijah still kept his cloak, because Elisha did not actually receive it until Elijah went up in the whirlwind. Remember, he had to keep his eyes on him, not on the chariot of fire. So Elijah goes up, the cloak falls to the ground. Elisha's like, that's mine. He was so excited, picks it up, strikes the water, and the miracles begin. But in this generation, in the new covenant, two, three, four, five, six, whatever year they come to know Jesus, they get the same Holy Spirit in them as I have in me, as Jesus had in him. So we get to keep placing cloaks over our students, but we're not waiting until we pass away to activate them in ministry, right? That's why we're willing to let them do short sermons and preach and share testimonies. Each one of us has a cloak of anointing, calling, giftings, and passions. You are important to God. You are worth something in the kingdom, and our youth need to see it. They need to know it, and they need to have those cloaks rested upon them. So way before our bodies are ever buried and we see Jesus face to face, we can actually be in partnership, right? How many of you want to actually see the harvest of the seeds you're sowing? We don't have to wait for all by and by. We can see it today because they have the same spirit in them 
as we do in us as Jesus did in him. Why don't you give Elisha a round of applause? Thanks, buddy. You can sit down. You can keep it. I want our team to come up here and I want you to face the congregation. And I want you just to stand at this time. One of the most important things, one of the most important things that we can do, guys, go ahead and just spread all the way out. One of the most important things that we can do as a church family is to encourage ongoing ministry of our children and youth outside of special events. Because our mission statement does not say advancing the kingdom of God eight times a year when we go to El Salvador or when we pray for missions or we go on missions trips. It says everywhere we go. So what we're gonna believe is that these youth aren't going to come off of the missions high and then dive right back down into, you know, whatever life and I'm just not interested and I'm just gonna do this. No, we're gonna believe that God's gonna take them from glory to glory to glory. Right, so we actually trust the training we've given them. We've trust if they can pray with people who don't understand the language and they can get touched by God, so can you hear. And that they're gonna continue to increase and increase and increase because we as a church family are going to continue to pour into them. You are needed in their lives. If you don't know one child or youth, begin to just walk up to them, introduce yourself to them, ask them what they like to do. What's your favorite sport? What's your favorite class? Just begin to get to know them. And the Lord will show you how you can place your cloak upon these youth. But I do know this, is they put their faith in action. And I know that they're ready to be equipped more, and I know that they're ready to be empowered more. So I'm calling two different things to come forward to the altar. We're gonna sing a song, and then we'll close up. Number one, if you are believing for something, you have faith for something, and you haven't seen that breakthrough yet, you're believing for something and you don't think you've actually taken action yet, right? You say, I see it in God's word. I've never actually, I haven't taken action in that area. I'm still waiting for it, but I'm believing for it. I believe that these students have faith to partner with you today. So if you're believing for something in faith, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. No interpreters needed. Unless they pray in Spanish, then we're in trouble. You can come forward. You don't have to wait for me. Absolutely. This is like when the food's out on the table and people just start coming forward. We're good. The second thing is, if, if, if what they said resonated with you and you know, no matter what age you are, if you're a college student, if you're still in high school and, and you didn't go on the trip, if you're an adult, a grandparent, or if you never had kids and something sprung up inside you today that says, I, I, I need to pour out into the next generation more. I know that I need to grab onto this thing and pour out more. I want you to come forward and actually have somebody that's younger than you pray for you. Does this make sense? You say, I am committed to being an Elijah of my day. I'm committed to taking the things that God has given me and passing it off to the next generation. I want you to come forward and I want you to receive prayer. You, you could say short prayers over them if there's a lot of people forward and we'll do it. So if you're committed to doing that, come forward as we pray. If you're believing in faith for something, you can come forward also. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.